the mentality you have during this regular season and the mentality that you need to have in the postseason to do whatever it takes to win, going from conservative and resourceful to making guys and players expendable, that's kind of like the difference between regular season baseball and postseason baseball. Yeah. Is this a switch that can be flipped from game 162 and then forward? Or is this a switch that you kind of need to set the tone right now and play as if you need to win these games right now? It's a switch that can be thrown. They're different seasons. The postseason and regular season are completely different. I, you know, you see it time and time again. So I, I, I'm confident that, that the Yankees have the ability to do that. The New York Yankees season has come to a close after a four-game series with the Boston Red Sox in the American League Division Series. That was it. We are sad, numb, confused, plus many more emotions that you do not want to feel as a human being. So, without further ado, let's... Bleed blue. Let's bleed blue. You know what's crazy? What's crazy? I've been on since the second episode this year. I've been I've been on every one, right? I'm pretty sure. Do every Yankee, every Yankee yeah, episode. Yankee one, yeah. I, haven't missed, I haven't missed one. Do you, listen, do you listen to the Giants episodes? I'm just curious. You don't have to. Sometimes I do. Yeah. The, Giants ep- the last Giants episode I thought was pretty good, except I didn't I didn't really have time to edit it that much because mm-hmm. I should have by the way, I am I should be done with having computer problems because I finally got the new charger. And that's been that's been the that's been the primary issue. Yeah. So you already heard the intro, and where that came from was actually from an episode from August 24th, 2018. And it was an episode called The Yankees Big Picture. Big was in capital letters, and we were recapping the Toronto Blue Jays series that was in late August, and the Miami and the Miami Marlins series, which th- that was a, that was a very eventful two games if you remember those series. And pretty much from those episodes around that area in the month of August, and pretty much almost every episode after that, we were having conversations here in Big Blue or Big Blue here in Bleeding Blue that can the Yankees flip the switch in the postseason? And uh, unfortunately, we're going to get to that conversation in a little bit. But first, housekeeping items. Bleeding Blue is finally, I guess if there's one positive thing and one thing that's kind of making me smile through this episode, is that Bleeding Blue is finally on iTunes. Finally. Renato, you clap when things when good things happen. There you go, Justin. Sorry. It's going to be the it's going to be the only thing that we clap about this episode. But uh, Bleeding Blue is finally on iTunes. We're not just on SoundCloud. We will still be on SoundCloud for so so for those of you uh, who are Android users or Samsung users or whatever kind of phones are out there today. Windows phones, I don't know. Um, 
everything else will still be available on SoundCloud. And then maybe I'll even look into maybe getting on like Spotify because Spotify does podcasts. Well, that'd be nice. I'm going yeah. a little Spotify action. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll look into it. And um, yeah, I, so I, I words, words are going to be tough to come by. Words are going to be tough to come by this episode. Just a, just a fair warning. You can follow me on Twitter at jpenix 74 that's J-P-E-N-I-K. I know I sometimes may sound like I'm saying panic, but it's panic like a pen. jpenix 74 on Twitter. I'll be tweeting about the Yankees through the offseason, but then also this podcast is also about the New York football Giants. So I will be tweeting about the Giants. I still do tweet about the Giants, even though they're tough to watch. But that uh, football season is going on, so Bleeding Blue will be continuing every week with the New York Football Giants, including an episode coming this Friday, which will recap both the Carolina Panthers game and the Philadelphia Eagles game on Thursday night. Whew, so that was that was a decent amount. So um, we have Michael Bokra here with us today. We have Renato here with us. And I guess we'll start off with Bokra, since we haven't heard your voice yet. How are you feeling today one day after the Yankees have been eliminated from the playoffs? Uh, I, I guess I could say I'm f- doing a little bit better than last night. I was, I was out of it last night. I was so upset. Uh, very tough game to lose, but I'm doing a little better today. Still not, you know, a hundred percent real in realization i guess you could say that the season is over after you know all the hype that and expectations that i have for this team but doing a little better than yesterday renato i mean let's just say i couldn't sleep for an hour yesterday because all the emotions that my heart was going through last night i mean at four one i was like okay you know we're gonna lose to boston it's gonna be okay fine it's it's over can't deal with it and then they come all the way back to make it four or three, two outs, first and second. You're like, oh, my God. Like, come on. Can we actually come back and force a game five? And then my heart just completely sank, hit the floor. And I couldn't sleep for good after that. So lack of sleep tonight. But as, like Boker said, I, I, I'm I, ready to talk to me. Because last night I was not ready to talk Yankees at all. But I think tonight we were talk, ready to talk some Yankees baseball. Between the Giants on Sunday getting walked off on a 63-yard uh, Graham Gano field goal, <laughs> and last night, you know, because you know there 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 did come a point where I was incredibly incredibly sad that I knew that Yankees baseball was going to come to an end, and I think that was like in the seventh inning, maybe the sixth, seventh, probably closer to the seventh inning, eighth inning. So it's like okay, like that's it, you know, this team isn't gonna mm-hmm. isn't gonna come back or anything. But then they did, and they started it, and. <laughs> I mean, from just this overall sadness and this little bit of a feeling of my, like, kind of like butterfly feeling on my stomach turned into complete numbness. And I didn't know, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know if I should be, I honestly didn't even know if I should be excited. I didn't even know if I should, how I should react. I didn't know if I should be angry. Uh, I, I was just, I was just in a state of complete, almost, almost like motionless. But at the same time, such worry and anxiety, and it was it was a it was a bizarre experience. It was really a bizarre experience. I probably haven't felt like that since the Giants were in the Super Bowl back in 2012, where I was just in a complete. I was so locked in to that game and only that game, 
I haven't felt like that in a in a very long time. Yeah, same thing with me with the, the Devils back in uh, 2012 as well. Where it's just there's there's that moment, there's only that moment, and nothing else actually matters except you know that ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talked about this in you know for for a few episodes. I I talked about it in the the bad times against the Rays episode where. You know, I would get angry at, <laughs> at kind of like Boone's Boone's and the Yankees' overall kind of like approach because of the fact that, you know, fans put so much money, time, they put a lot of overall, I'm just going to use the word investment, into this team. And it's kind of like a, a, a tough pill to swallow right now because this is kind of like our first, ha- I would say it's our first kind of like half season. No, we actually, that that's actually false. We started with being one quarter of the way through the season because our first episode of Bleeding Blue was named Yankee First Quarter Grades. So a little bit more than a quarter way through the season, we started this. And through going, I was I think I went to 17 games this season and I was 10 and 7. And Boker went to a lot of those games with me. Renato went to a yeah. lot of those games with me. <laughs> and I had a losing record though. Yeah, yeah, Boker had a losing record. Um, Renato went to a, Renato went to some games that were separate from myself. Between the podcast prep, between tweeting, between live streaming, and honestly, we didn't even do it. We didn't even do it that much. But everybody, in their own way, put so much investment into this baseball team and into being a part of such a great community. Especially on if you're on Yankees Twitter, you know you're you're a part of such a fantastic great community and it's and, and it's just done and it's just done and it's a very tough pill to swallow um i'll get i'll probably get a little bit more sentimental with uh thanking thanking some of the people that listened to us in our first quarter season and then in the off season maybe what some of our plans are but we'll get that we'll get like that we'll we'll get all mushy mushy towards the end <laughs> all right so um what were we feeling as the late innings went on? We we covered that. I you know we I guess we were all totally fine with the way that the season was. We thought that the season was going to end four to one or four nothing. I don't even know if we had a run on the board. And I really don't care. It was Garner sack fly into six. All right, yeah, Garner sack fly. Okay, so we were fine with the season ending four one, and then of course they had to come back and stab us in the heart. All right, so what do we what do we want to what do we want to touch on first? What what happened? Like what 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 happened? in this in this series that that's just i'm gonna let you guys run with it i really don't have i have some points that i want to get to but what happened should we talk about the all the walls are they going like games one to two four i don't want to do that you want to just want to summary 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 what what happened what happened in in your mind in your mind when i ask you the question what happened what what comes to mind first aaron boone that's what happened Boker. So it it's kind of tough for me. I mean, I would say part of it, a big part of it has to be the uh, overall approach that the Yankees had all year and going into the playoffs, I would say. And you bring up a great point because, you know, we played it. We played it in the beginning of the episode, and it's been a conversation that's been going on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Can the Yankees just flip the switch? And, you know, obviously when you don't even get out of the ALDS – and see, just seeing the way that these games unfolded, 
particularly, particularly with decisions that were made at the mound and the de decisions made by Aaron Boone. I mean, clearly, it's utter, utter failure. Utter failure. 100%. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. No disagreeing with that. And we could, and we could talk about both home games and how... Yeah, yeah. If you want... Yeah, um, we more more specifics, absolutely. And, and how it seemed like the Yankees had a plan. And they didn't want to change that plan when things went to the gutter. Example A, Luis Severino, right, pitched in game three, correct? Yes. And what did he do in game three? Do you guys remember what he did in game three? He was leaving a lot of pitches over the middle of the plate. Right. He had the bases loaded in fourth inning, right? Fourth inning? Yeah. Yes. So what what does Boone do, guys? What is what does he do? He takes Sevy out. And who who is he putting with the bases loaded? Who who let, let, let me ask you this before we answer that question. Who would you like to see with bases loaded now? To, which pitcher would you put in that situation? Well, Renato, even before you get to the bases loaded, Severino struggled struggled to get through three innings. That is true. He get, so, he, get, he runs through two three innings. Right. I thought it was the I thought it was even more, you know, compared to the game four decision to keep Cece in for the third inning. I thought it was even more atrocious that that Sevi came out for the fourth. Right. Yeah. Especially with the fact that Nathan Vivaldi was, was schooling us through those three innings too. So, yeah. I were, yeah, I don't understand why you didn't have – you don't even you don't have to – if you're – you don't even have to make the pitching change if you don't want to. But at least have somebody up in the bullpen ready to go. If where When you feel like you're ready to make the change, it, it, it's good to go. But with Boone, I felt like he didn't – he had total confidence in Severino and was like, eh, "I don't, I don't need, I don't need that." No, I don't even think it was Kyle Severino. Is the, the the team had a plan A and mm -hmm. they're gonna stick with the plan A no matter what happened. Still, you should still just have a pitcher up warming up, whether whether he's stretching, whether he's reaching for the stars, whether he's doing <laughs> anything. Just have him up doing something, getting warmed up. You yeah. know, then you can Loose go batter by batter. Yeah. Right. If there was one thing that I, I'm going to say I'll miss Joe Girardi on is his bullpen management. If even in the playoffs, Girardi would not hesitate to go to his bullpen early. Yeah. I uh, Maybe I said that off, off, but I do remember saying, I think it was like either in our group chat or even maybe on one of these episodes, I said Aaron Boone needs to learn how to use this bullpen like Girardi did. Not exactly meaning like he has to be Joe Girardi, you know, but – Joe Girardi had overall better use of the bullpen. He knew who he was going to, when he was going to him, and I, I can't take that away from Joe. I mean, but there's nothing I, – I I don't really – you guys have said that multiple times throughout the year, and that kind of, like, bugs me because it's like, okay, but what are you going to do? What are we really going to – what are we really going really to do about it? Well, we, can't do so, yeah, we can't do anything about that, but I'm giving him props. Yeah, and – but there were times throughout, and Brett, Brett Wiley, who's not here, he was busy tonight. Brett Wiley brought this up that Joe Girardi was very underappreciated as a manager. But you know, Joe Girardi would, you know, Joe Girardi would be called Binder Joe, and now we're and now people on Twitter, and then you know, even even some of us, you know, we're, we're praising Joe Girardi for what he did. Um, but neither here nor there. So where we were before we went off on a little bit of a tangent is we were talking about Severino, bases loaded. Instead of Aaron Boone taking him out to begin the inning, or as Boker recommended, instead of having a batter batter by batter approach where somebody was warming up, who did he bring in instead with the bases loaded? 
you 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 really could have brought in Batances, you know, maybe Bren if you're feeling risky. Green. Green. D Rob. But you bring in Lance Lynn with bases loaded, no outs? Are you kidding me, Boone? What do you expect to happen? Did you have to freaking get out of it? Come on. Mm, yeah. And what was the score? Uh, the score was 3 nothing. Yeah. So how many times have we heard this year? And we've heard it in different scenarios, too. AJ Cole was back to mine. Right. Well, I was, I was re-listening to some podcasts, and we were talking about some Aaron Boone quotes after the game. And there were multiple points throughout the year where, where Aaron Boone said, in this, in this scenario, if it was a one-run ball game, I would have brought in this guy. Oh, but then we've criticized Boone in a four-run ball game or in a three-run ball game. He brought in another guy, and then Aaron Boone would switch up his words, and he said, oh, if it was a two-run ball game, I would have brought in this guy. Like, obvi- like obviously, obviously, the switch, not speaking in terms of the players, not speaking in terms of the players, in terms of the front office and the coaching staff, the switch was not fully flipped. I think it was flipped, especially in the way that they were using the bullpen. There were moments, like you look at the wildcard game, who in the world would have thought that Dellen Patances would have worked for two innings? And who in the world would have thought that Dellen Patances would have been able to get out of somebody else's jam that wasn't created by himself? Me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I would have uh, never, I would have never thought that this podcast has, or I don't know if this podcast has, but I've criticized Aaron Boone for why the hell are you keeping Dylan Patances in for more than one inning when every single time during the regular season, it did not work. Yeah. I criticized him for that. I chewed him apart for that because we, what's the definition of insanity? I, I, I did. I did agree with Justin on that. Uh, we, we, we were at one of the games when uh, he left Batances in for two innings against, against the Red Sox. Against the Red Sox and J.D. And, uh, and even when and even when Batances pitch, pitches well in the second inning, Murphy's law for him in the second inning. So who thought that that would have worked in the postseason? I guess they thought that it would, and it did. So good for them. But, but when push came to shove and the shit was hitting the fan, they resorted to what they felt was comfortable, what they felt was safe. Now, this is what perplexes me, how we consider, and there were actual, you know, this is, again, this is an ES, this is ESPN national, national television, national news hot takes. The Yankees have the greatest bullpen ever assembled. We even, there was even talk of that going on last year, and we only improved it with Zach Britton. We only improved it. And Chapman was is, was much better. Batances, much better than last year. So, yes, arguably one of the greatest bullpens ever assembled. How in the world can you mess up so badly and misuse them so badly? How can you do that? And he did. He found a way to do it. There was a there was a quote by one of the by one of the Yankee reporters and one of the Yankee beat writers. Uh, I I'm giving him credit. This is not our original thought, um, but Alex Cora has made more with less. Aaron Boone yeah. has made less with more. Bullpen management matters, folks. So I mean, you see it with the move, especially the move to bring out Chris Sale in the eighth inning. And it's no, not even just with Chris Sale, with bringing out his starting pitchers, with bringing out Porcello. 
Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah. Alex Cora made, and I'm not even, not even more. He made much, much more with less. How many of these innings, especially if you look to Game Four, how many of these innings did the Red Sox hold the Yankees enough with their terrible bullpen? They held them. They didn't do a great job. They didn't do a great job. They did the job. <laughs> they, they they won. They won the they won baseball games and they won enough of them. Mm-hmm. So. Obviously, it's tough when starters are only going out and giving you two innings, three innings. But, you know, obviously, there there is still no excuse. There is still no excuse with the type of bullpen that we have. Yeah. But what the hell? What the hell with these, with these, with our starting pitching? What the hell? Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't give any free, don't, don't just put it all on Boone when <laughs> a lot of, I, I know you, I know that's, I know that's the default. I know that's the default, and that's what everybody wants to do. I mean, you had you had probably your two best pitchers, your most cons- well, majority consistent pitchers all year in Sevy and CC at home, Yankee Stadium. You think, okay, they could give you four innings, right? Nah, they they couldn't last four innings. It, it, it was a so pitiful of the starting performance. It was it was horrible, horrible. And we talked about so many times throughout the year. We talked about doing the little things right. The, the amount of balls flying off the glove of pitchers, this is both starting pitchers and bullpen guys, balls flying off the, the gloves of pitchers, not being able to hold runners, getting behind counts. Oh, my God. Can we talk about the success of the bottom of the Red Sox lineup in games three and four? It was incredible. They creamed us. <laughs> that was the key. That was the key to the entire series. What did Tanaka do very well. He limited the bottom of the order. Limited the bottom of the order. Mm-hmm. You bring and, and 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 you know even in game four you bring in Zach Britton because you think that he can handle the bottom of the order. I thought that was a good move. Don't bring in Dellen Batances to face the bottom of the order. Bring in Dellen Batances to face the top of the order. Yeah. Zach Britton leaves a sinker, ninety-three mile an hour sinker, right down the middle of the plate, and it sneaks out of Yankee Stadium to become the second shortest home run of the season. So, not not just Boone. I just uh, that that's my point. It's not just Boone, but the overall approach and the overall mentality leaked. It leaked its way into the postseason, mm-hmm. and it bursted open in games three and four. Bursted open in the Bronx, in the Bronx. Whoever thought that would happen? No one. I I for sure didn't. And it's just, it's just bad because. Like, we had that discussion with that clip in the beginning of the segment when, oh, will this approach work? Will it, hap- will it work in the postseason? And, and we saw, and especially games three and four, on full display, why that, is, that, that method did not work. And it's going to be very interesting to see in this offseason what Cashman and company are going to do to make sure that doesn't happen again next season. But here's the, we're not going to be able to see that at all. Like, that's, this is the frustrating thing. Brian Cashman and I and Boker Boker got a little bit critical of me how I was saying that this is partially I I put more of it on Brian Cashman in the front office than I do on Aaron Boone because Aaron Boone is doing his job. I don't we don't know how much control and how much discretion Aaron Boone has. But I'm going to tell you what. Part of the reason why Joe Girardi was shipped on out of here is because Brian Cashman and the analytics department 
wanted to have more of a say on how the baseball team was run and in-game decisions. Aaron Boone was a perfect guy for that. You know, you call him a puppet, you can call him whatever you want. But Boker was a little bit critical of me because I was saying it's Brian Cashman. And I'm not saying that Brian Cashman is not surrounding this team with the best possible chance to win because of the players that he signs and the players that he trades for. It's fantastic. You go up and down this roster, up and down this roster and between the years, seeing the players that we traded away and the players that we've gotten back or the players that have gotten hurt over the course of the last two years and who we've brought in to replace those players to make it even to make it seem like we we don't even miss them but it's in the overall it's in the overall approach and is there is there such a thing as having too much talent maybe maybe the yankees just too much way too much talent way too many assets that they just didn't know what the bleep to do with them so that's a uh, so that's Boone's approach. I guess, you know, maybe maybe when we're a bit more calmer, we can talk about it more. Uh, I would like to have kind of like a, a full season recap, even though we kind of already did that with the wild card prep. Um, you know, I don't know what we'll do in terms of awards, but this is this is just this is this is just this sucks. It sucks. Don't be afraid to say it. Don't 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 be afraid. It sucks. It, terrible. All right, so so another so another uh, approach that vanished, you know, it vanished from the Yankees compared to the first two games of the series. What happened to the grind it out approach? The grinding out at bats. Now, credit, 100%. Credit to Nathan Avaldi and credit to Rick Porcello. At one point, at one point there was a there was a stat that the National Telecast showed that Rick Porcello and Nate Avaldi combined for 95 strikes and 29 balls. Jeez. That was between that was between the two of them at some point during Rick Porcello's start. And this was well into Rick Porcello's start. They showed that those two pitchers combined for 95 strikes and 29 balls. So if a pitcher if a pitcher is throwing strikes, it's tough to get three ball counts. You know, I think that's a that's a that's a no shit shirtlock kind of kind of statement. But also, Yanks were swinging for the solo home run, at least in Game 4. The second that they got down in that game, they were swinging for the solo homer throughout the entire game. Which they've been doing all season long. When, when they got into, that's the reason why they always had these closed losses, because they'd always, when they're down 3 for ones, they go, okay, instead of working out of bats and trying to get base runners, they're like, no, 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 we're just gonna, let's swing for the fence, let's get one run at a time, see what happens. Did, did, we, did we talk about this earlier? Again, and I feel like I was against the home run in one of our first episodes. We had a we had a conversation how I, home runs dramatically go up in the postseason, and the home run or die approach is not necessarily a bad approach to have since the postseason. That's what home runs are, but it's all in the approach. It's all in the approach to the plate. Where if you're swinging out of your shoes, the fact that the Yankees were swinging out of their shoes, even though Rick Porcello. And sometimes Nate, Nate Evaldi, they left some pitches down the middle of the plate. Oh, Evaldi, Evaldi did a much better job, but Porcello really left some hangers. He yeah. really, he really left some fastballs over the plate. Yanks were swinging out of their shoes, didn't yeah. touch any. I, I said it yesterday during the game. I said, I said he's hanging. I, I counted. I couldn't even remember how many I counted, but he hung so many pitches that we just either foul tipped or. Grounded out or just popped up, and missed. I'm like, uh, or, missed. We, or, or, we, or we missed. 
Or, or, or even like line drives for that guy. Zero like, walks. Zero walks in game four. I mean, like you said, with them doing so many tricks, how can you walk? At least until the ninth inning. Was there, there, there was a walk. There was a walk in the ninth inning, Judge but zero walks. Walk. Yeah, yeah. Judge let ninth inning off of the walk, but Two walks. Through, through seven innings or eight innings, there were zero walks. Yeah, and, and that's not a that's that's not how the Yankees are going to win baseball games. It's not how they won baseball games all year. Again, again, you play the what if on uh, what would happen if we let you know some of those obvious balls go instead of swinging for the fences on them. I mean, you can't help like like I said, Boker. It was ninety five strikes to twenty nine balls, so it's those, not like it's those... not like uh, it's not like Avaldi and Porcello were wild. They were throwing strikes, were, man. Were they those strikes? Are they counted by? Uh, they're counted by swings. Strikes. They're also counted by swings. It's not just. It's not just. Yeah, they're also counted by swings. But I'll tell you what, that's a alarmingly good ratio to balls to strikes or strikes to balls like alarmingly good even if the Yankees s- swung at a few bad ones you're still talking like 87 strikes to um you know 34 35 balls you know you're you're that that ratio is still alarmingly incredible for the Red Sox through two games through two starting pitchers whereas our starting pitchers couldn't even get through the lineup. You know, we had this expectation, and I think this is also, I don't know if the, you can't blame like Yankee fans, but we were approaching all of these all of these baseball games by saying we will be happy and lucky if our starting pitcher can get through the starting nine twice. That's our that was our approach. That our starting pitcher, and I was one of them. I was one of them, a guilty as charged, where I was like, I would be happy if, if our starters got through the third inning and they would get through two times, three times through the rotation of nine hitters. So maybe that's our fault. Maybe that's our fault for expecting our starters to, you know, pitch so low. Maybe well, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, keep keep in mind I'll, the reason why we had those expectations because our bullpen has been fantastic. You know, it's like we had a feeling if we get a lead going to the fourth or fifth inning, we could put our top relievers for multiple innings each, and we'll be good. We'll be set. But we didn't even put our top relievers in until it was too late. Well, I, I, that, as we discussed, we already know whose fault that is. So, <laughs> all right. So, um, I, who does anybody have anything else to say? You know, we talked talked about Boone. We talked about the approach. I am getting tough on Boone. But I'm also saying don't put it all on him because Boone can't go out there and swing the bat. Offense was offense was terrible game four. Terrible I, until inning number nine. I mean, keep in mind, you're at home, and through the first 70 innings of the, the home game, you had, you had two runs. Terrible. At Yankee Stadium to score two runs in 70 innings? Come on now. Can't do that. Cannot do that. Can't do that. I mean, especially, yeah. The Red Sox score more runs. In like one inning of play that we did in like the whole two games. Mm-hmm. Like, no. You, like I said, the offense should get a lot of blame. Especially guys like Stanton and or, you know, those guys in the postseason, they, they were, were top hitters all year and they didn't produce when he needed to. They were anxious getting up there swinging for the fences at anything that came to them. Listen, or, not, or not swinging at all. Or not even swinging at yeah, all. Yeah, or and, and at, I'll give him a pass. He's a rookie, but come on, Stanton. I know it's his first postseason, but come on, 
Gotta, gotta have a better approach than that, man. Gotta have a better approach. All right, yeah, we we can we could talk. I I would love to talk more about individual performances when we kind of have time to digress and maybe mm-hmm. get some maybe get some numbers up and right, right. I just wanted to talk about gen- general offensively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how uh, how now isn't now isn't this a crazy thing that who, I want to I want to ask you a question. So going into that ninth inning, who were you most excited to see bat with runners on base? Now remember, Judge was the leadoff hitter, so obviously Judge is the lead answer. But with runners on base, who were you most excited to see that can possibly do something in the bottom of that ninth inning? Neil Walker. Amen. Yes. Neil Walker. I saw Neil Walker basically. Okay, let's do it again. Come on, disco time. Let's do it. Let's yeah. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at Neil Walker and I was looking at Gary Sanchez for the criticism that he took all year from battling injuries to. You know, fans, you know, screaming, yelling at him. I say, you know what? Th- this is his spot right now to s- to tell everybody to shut the hell up. And then, boom, whack it. But And to, to give – I'm going to give Sanchez credit, okay? It, I don't care what people have to say. I know he struggled a little bit towards games three and four defensively, but I thought Sanchez had a great postseason, in my opinion. I think if he would have hit that home run last night, everyone would have forgot everything Sanchez did this season. Oh yeah, yeah. You feel bad for Neil because he got hit, and obviously, you know, it was an RBI. But you know, you really, you, you really wanted to see, you know, like God, God damn, if Kimbrel were to just groove in a fastball, right. and Neil can just do something with it, right? You know, because again, professional at bat, and how much you know, Neil is not impacted by the moment. You know, bad postseason numbers, blah 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 blah. But Neil is not impacted by the moment. No, got hit in the foot, resulted in an RBI. You know, you're kind of like, damn. And and that's like the crazy thing about this season. That's the crazy thing about this team is that you kind of look, you're going to look back at this like five years from now and really true and really true fans are going to be like, Neil Walker, if Neil Walker just got a shot. And in terms of Gary Sanchez, this podcast is the podcast that talked about his batting average on balls put in play, how when he puts the ball in the air, He's one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball. And when he puts the ball on the ground, he actually is the worst. He is the worst average hitter um, when he puts the ball on the ground. And we talked about Gary Sanchez's bad luck. Gary Sanchez has been hitting the ball hard all year. I don't care what anybody says. Gary Sanchez all year has been hitting the ball hard, whether it is on the ground or especially when it's in the air. They are constantly, constantly going right to people. So I cannot think of a more uh, poetic injustice way to end Gary Sanchez's season than to almost hit a walk-off grand slam, warning track power, left field in Yankee Stadium. Could not think of a better way or a worse way to end his season. That would, that would describe, if you want to describe Gary Sanchez's season, his last at bat of 2018. Yeah. That's how you describe it. it sucks for him. Uh- all right, so let's get so let's get a little let's get a little mushy. This has been this has been incredible. This whole this whole journey, and I know we haven't had a ton of a ton of people following yet. Off season plans. I would love to get some interviews with some people. I would love to have Drew Casey on back again. I don't want to reveal any of the names because I don't want to make any of the promises. But we will be having other people on. You know they they may 
you know, they're probably not going to be the biggest people, but hey, we're just starting out and we're going to, you know, we're going to do our best to bring you the best, you know, one of the one of the best Yankee cover, you know, Yankee podcasts and Yankee coverage out there. This has been incredible. You know, the the attachment that you get to a team and the attachment and how close I've grown with Renato, Bokra, um, Jimmy when I do the Giants, Brett when Brett comes on, Brett is a Orioles and Phillies fan. And he's made he's made this whole experience and this whole podcast so much better. And Renato and Boker have also done it. You know, we we go to Yankee games together and then we come back and we talk about them. You know, that's that's a that's a fantastic thing. So I, I'm excited that I've that we've just started this journey together. And uh, I'm excited to grow and I'm excited for it to get better. Anybody else want to say anything, Mushy? Well, I, I just again let's thank everybody for listening in to see. It's been a, it was a fun ride, it really was. I mean, thanks Joseph for creating this. I mean, it's it's a great way for us to express our thoughts on the Yankees. I mean, it's a great, great form. I mean, listening to to us talk about everything about the Yankees, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. I mean, it's, it's it's been a great season. I mean, getting to know Boker now is like the most funniest guy I ever met in my life. <laughs> I love Boker's takes; it's great. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm honestly like I know I'm in gummy hockey move for the next like it's April, I guess. So that's a so we till so we start again in the in the regular season for for baseball. But um, yeah, I'm interested to see in this off season. I'm very interested to see what we do this off season. So let's go Yankees, baby. Michael, any mushy words? I'm gonna just keep it short and sweet. Uh, thank you, thanks everyone for uh, listening and uh, being a fan of Bleeding Blue. It has been a uh, fun journey. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, Michael's in trouble with his mother. Oh my god, Michael! <laughs> you gotta leave that in there. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. I'm leaving it in. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) You bet your bottom dollar I'm leaving that in. Oh. I fucking hate you guys. (laughs) All right, get get all get all mushy. mushy. Do not put that in. Do not put that in. All right, all right, I promise I won't put it in. I promise. Oh yeah, you wanna like (laughs) metaphor? Oh (laughs) come on, Pop, come on, get mush stuff. It was embarrassing. Oh shit! All right. Oh, I so, forgot to put. I forgot to put this in the beginning. Forget. If you're still listening, and you enjoy our stuff, if you're if you're listening, uh, I don't care where you're listening. I, I honestly don't. I don't care if you're listening on SoundCloud. I don't care if you're listening. I would love if you're listening on iTunes. But what we need to grow. So if you are still listening, and we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for your support. We thank you for just coming along with us. Engage with me on Twitter if you do if you do listen. Because I want to know that you listen and I want to know that people listen. But also, we would love, since we are on iTunes, five star, five star ratings, write reviews, give me the ratings and write the reviews, leave more than one review, tell your friends and your family and your loved ones and everyone in your life about this if you think that they would enjoy it. And give give us five star reviews because the more five star reviews you leave on iTunes, the more the more popular we get. Yeah, the more the more po- uh, the more the more five stars reviews that you leave and reviews that you write, 
my overall goal is when people search Yankees podcast on iTunes and when they search Giants podcast on iTunes, I want Bleeding Blue to be the first one that shows up. That's the overall goal. And we can't do that without without the help of kind of like people that listen. So um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, all I could say is go Yankees, go Yankees, go Yankees, go Giants, go Giants, go Giants. And you know what, everybody? You know, Michael Boker wants to say something. That's yeah, because I didn't get to get mushy. All right. Well, I well you I always forget were, about me. I thought it. you were I thought you were mad at us. Well, yeah. Don't uh, do me like that. Okay, we'll be like that. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Ugh. Can't do that over there. I see. Um, I I just want to thank everyone for listening. Um. It has been a good ride. It didn't end. The, it didn't end the way we wanted it to. But you know, that's that's just sports for you. And uh, can't wait to see what happens next year and continue bleeding blue. Peace out, Yankee Nation, Pinstripe Pride, and always remember, keep on bleeding blue. <laughs>